Hey, this is Diana, the Bard of Hudson. What the heck does that mean? A bard is just a storyteller. So here I am to share stories with you. What was it like growing up in the 60s and 70s? Did I really meet Bob Marley on an airplane? I hope you enjoy listening to my crazy life and that it inspires you to share your stories in some way. One great way to share your thoughts with me is through my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard. There you can see the photos and written materials that enrich my stories with visuals. Please check it out. And wherever you're listening, please rate and review and share the podcast. I'd love to hear what you think. At the end of the day, human connection is all we have. Enjoy. Welcome back. Thank you for returning today after yesterday's rough episode. This one will be more fun, I promise. (laughs) Okay, so I've talked about my aunt and how going to her house was also um, one of the delights of my young childhood and how we get to spend more time with my cousins and how she was a wonderful caretaker and, you know, patient beyond any threshold that she should have been. Um, I'm sure she was nervous about us always hurting ourselves and such, but with her and my uncle, I got a taste of what a quote unquote real family was like, you know, to have a a father, a mother and kids all together under one roof. That was not my experience of family at all. Right. And I found that this was something that I wanted desperately. And it's set up as my model of the ideal, the ideal family life. And it would continue to be something that haunted me that I wanted to achieve in my life. And this was the model. So they lived in Tenafly, New Jersey, and it was the epitome of suburbia. They lived on a wide road that went down the center of you know this this neighborhood and there were little suburban houses on both sides of the street with little yards and trees and always you know pets and whatever and there was a huge group of kids who ran around neighborhood kids who joined up with each other during playtimes and my cousin Laura was really part of this large posse of kids which was very enviable in my mind we could run free and play wild games with them when we were there. Um, we had enough kids to play organized sports games, which was fun. And uh, of course, you know, sometimes all of us kids being in a pack out in the street left us vulnerable to various things. I do remember one time where there was this guy who drove up in a big long sedan of a car you know I always think Cadillac or Buick or Cadillac or Buick or one of these things and he had a map in his lap and he called us over because he was trying to get directions he was like do you know where blah 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 this is and we leaned into the window and he removed the map and he had no pants on and he wanted to show us his penis and we were shocked and horrified (gasps) what is that and we ran screaming from there and you know ah and giggling and ew disgusting Ah, 
that was so funny. So, yeah, it's not funny. Uh, there was a flasher in the neighborhood, and that's gross, but it was funny to us at the time. Um, we also, in addition to going to play at Tenafly, in Tenafly for, you know, weekends at a time, we also went to Italy under the supervision of my aunt and uncle. And Mumza did come along with us uh, as, you know, an extra caretaker so that my aunt and uncle could go off and do side trips to lovely places um, all around the area uh, and know that we were in the care of an adult. Um, but one thing that was fantastic was that she did not dare to beat us at all when she was there because she was under the eye of my aunt, my uncle, and also my grandfather who was incredibly powerful and who she'd worked for before. So she was on her best behavior. And I'm sure it must have been quite a trial to hold in her impulses there for such a long time. We would go for periods of like six to seven weeks sometimes and you know to be with my grandfather in summer times and um he got to show us off you know look here's my brood of awesome grandchildren and dress us up and whatnot um but i was still writing that childhood diary where i would write part of it and mumza would write in french on the other side of the page and there is an entry that says oh we're so happy to be leaving and we can't wait to go home i am quite sure that that is not what i would have said because italy was a haven to me and why wouldn't it be it was delightful we were on the mediterranean we got to swim every day um our days were also very regimented in italy the way that they were back in palisades because we had, you know, God forbid, children ran unfettered anywhere and had whole days to themselves. What might they do? God only knows. Um, so we had structure. We had Italian lessons in the morning. And those were given by my aunt and my mom's tutor from childhood who had been uh, a woman that was only a few years older than them when they were kids. So just before they left Italy to return to the States, my mom was maybe 12 and my aunt was uh, 10 or nine. And they had a tutor um, named Maria, but they called her maîtresse which is French for teacher. But I guess that my aunt couldn't pronounce it quite. And so her name ended up being Tlesi. That's T-L-E-S-S-I, Tlesi. And we knew her as that forever after. She was delightful, so happy and so energetic and sweet. And she had a son that was just a little younger than me. Um, that I grew up being great friends with, who was named Andrea. And Plessy would teach us Italian and um, have us read poetry and such. And that was, that was lovely. Um, and she figured as a big character in my 
trips to Italy and for long after. Um, some days we would have piano lessons with my aunt and some days my uncle would deign to come and give us a lesson himself and his lessons were in solfege which was you know deciphering uh, different notes and being able to sing them back and such. He was training our ears in music. Um, I was desperate to impress him though too because I needed that father figure. I needed you know, the adult males in my life, my uncle Jim and my grandfather. And so I was always out to impress them. Um, during those days, we children were allowed to eat lunch with the adults, but not dinner. Um, we stayed not in my grandfather's house because he didn't really have enough room for us, but he had another house up the hill that was sort of a guest house. Um, for his friends and his family to stay in when they came to visit and it was called the Rincon and it was uh, not really an attractive house on the outside because it was sort of white uh, stucco and very flat um, it was a two-story house but on the inside it had marble floors and it had also beautiful wooden floors in the bedroom that were were so lovely and warm on one end of the upstairs, it had a huge bathroom with a tub that was all tiled in this glorious green, you know, sea green tile that was marvelous. And that was my aunt and uncle's bedroom and their bathroom. So the, the upper floor was one large room at one end with the bathroom. And then all along the hallway, there were bedrooms that looked out on the sea and we my brother and I shared one my cousin Laura and Phil shared another or well my cousin Laura and I shared one and my cousin uh, Phil and my brother shared another and then on the other side of the hallway was just a whole bank of closets and and then there was another bathroom on the other end that we could use and it was um, a beautiful home on the inside as I said it had a piano room and then it had a, a little dining room where we all ate breakfast and the caretakers at this home became some of the adults that I grew to love and cherish while I was there they were named Gianna and Mario and Gianna was incredibly strong because she would iron all day long I mean she was always like ironing all the sheets for the beds and ironing all the clothing and you'd get ironed underwear back from the laundry <laughs> it was crazy she seemed to always be ironing and her husband Mario I don't know what he was I think he was a, a fisherman or something but I always remember him being very very funny and um, we would just laugh at his antics and he I, I remember Maria uh, Jana making him huge plates of tiny fried fish that he loved little sardines and he would eat them whole you know with all the bones in them and he would hold them up in delight you know in glee by the tail and chomp at them from the head and we would laugh hysterically um, but they were in charge of taking care of us while the adults went down to dinner uh, to eat with my grandfather in great elegance they had to actually get very dressed up there was a um, formal cocktail hour 
and various friends of my grandfather's from Genoa would come out to the house for dinners and they had these long you know multi-course meals that were served by men in white jackets with white gloves and such they were very very fancy um, and and we of course were much too wild and uncouth for such an event so we stayed up the hill in the guest house that night and we ate very informal dinners we had you know plates of pasta and whatever um, and on the nights when Mumza was allowed to go down to dinner with them as well we ran wild upstairs when there was like you know in my in our minds no adult supervision because Jana and Mario were not really there to discipline us they were just there to make sure that we didn't die so they would be watching TV down in the kitchen and for us like we couldn't understand all of the Italian television programs but what we did love was this segment called Carosello and it was a whole segment of advertisements <laughs> and we loved it and Jana would call up the stairs bambini carosello and we would come running down oh how good how exciting and we'd watch all of the Italian advertisements because the Italians in those days would put all of the advertisements in one segment and then they'd play the show in its entirety without advertisements and so we loved these things and we could quote them and we acted them out and stuff. It was really silly. But when, the, when we were not looking at Carosello, we would be upstairs. Sometimes we would be playing Monopoly, long, endless games of Monopoly, where when we got tired, we would actually write on the board who had what so that if anybody happened to kick the board and you know disrupt the thing there was a record of exactly what was going on so there were all these little scribblings in the middle of the monopoly board but we also had a horrifying game that we made up in this long hallway of closets on one side and bedrooms on the other side we had a game where the object was to be able to reach the haven of my aunt's bedroom at the end of the hallway without getting well beaten to death <laughs> or you know without getting completely swamped and mobbed by the other three people so one of us four would go downstairs and we'd wait and the other three would set up an obstacle course in the middle of the hallway with pillows and furniture that we'd push out into the hall desks and chairs and such and then we three would find a hiding place somewhere either in a closet or in the in one of the bedrooms or in the bathroom and the objective was to leap out at the poor unfortunate who was trying to make their way to the end of the hallway and smash them <laughs> basically so that they couldn't reach the end and there were various tactics to win in this scenario 
I remember, you know, sometimes my cousin Laura would try the stealth approach where she would be super silent and we weren't sure where she was in the hallway. So you'd leap out and there'd be nobody there and you'd give away your, you know, point of, of hiding. Um, and then when you did catch her, she would be what we called the Mexican jumping bean. She would just leap up and down in a fury. So, you know, daring you to hang on for your dear life. My brother would punch his way through, you know, he, would, he was violent and, and uh, <laughs> furious when it was his turn. And me, I was quite a bit bigger than the rest of them. So I would just power through with the bunch of them hanging off me like some kind of football player. And I'm like, I don't care what you do to me, I'm gonna make it to the end no matter what. But my poor cousin Phil was the smallest of us. And I remember in this one game that he reached the top of the stairs and all we could hear was he was at the end of the hall and he just burst into tears because the thought of trying to, he had been in the fray, he had been one of the people who leapt out of the closet, but the thought of trying to be the person who had to make it to the end was overwhelmingly terrifying for him and he just started to cry. And we were like, oh, you're such a baby. I can't believe it. We were so mean. So that was our horrifying summertime entertainment. And I'm actually going to make this a two-part because I'm going to continue the story tomorrow because this has gone on for quite a bit and I have much more to tell you. So part two of our summers in Italy tomorrow. I'll see you there. Want to make some juicy passive income but don't know where to start? You need to check out Girls Trade 2. Girls Trade 2 is an online community of women learning to trade in the stock market so they can boost their savings and get off that dang hamster wheel of work, work, work. So if you want some help figuring out the stock market, check out a free web class at girlstrade2.com. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Instagram at Diana the Bard or on Facebook at Diana Green. And check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard for photos and other fun additions. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you're listening. It makes a world of difference and helps others to find the show. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye.